0: Quick summary. We learned so far about what happened in the beginning. Jesus was done with his ministry in Judea, and now he's heading toward Galilee, okay? Now, he's heading toward Galilee, but the way he heads is a very uncommon way. He goes through a town of Samaria. I remember, or do you remember the, the picture I painted? It's kind of like if you're going to, if you want to go to Arvin, but you don't want to go through Lamont. So you go like around, you know, other places, but you go through Lamont. So Jesus goes through Samaria. Jews didn't travel through Samaria. Samaria. Samaritans were viewed as, as unclean. but But he went to this place because he had a divine appointment that was, that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And he had an appointment that he had to keep with this woman. So Jesus, being weary of his journey, stops at a well. It's about 12 o'clock noon. It's the hottest time of the day. And here comes a woman. So picture a man standing or sitting on a well. It's really, really hot. This is not Bakersfield heat. This is that other heat. And here comes a woman. We never get her name. Because I don't think it's that important. And Jesus didn't ask for her name. But he goes straight to the point. And he grabs her attention by saying, give me a drink. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, this is a little odd to her because, first off, he's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. He's a man. She's a woman. And also, Jews didn't use the same things that Samaritans use, So they didn't use the same forks, the same cups, spoons, so Christ is not just asking her from, for a drink because he has his own bucket, because for she says, you don't even have a bucket. But he's asking for a drink from, from her bucket, from her water pot. So she's totally taken back by this. And it's at this point when Jesus slowly proceeds to work inside of her. He wants to get in her. He first addresses her need for him. He gives her a hint of of who he is by saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he gave her a little hint of if you knew the gift of God, ma'am, if you knew who it was standing in front of you, you would have dropped your bucket. But you will know who's standing in front of you before this time is over, which we we know from last week. Jesus then exposes her need for living water. Whoever drinks of this water that I give them will never be thirsty, and the water that I will give them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And it is getting to a point where this woman is getting kind of tired of the conversation. Remember? Okay, give me the water. Show me where this well is at, because, because I hate coming here. You don't know what it's like to have to wake up early. You don't know what it's like to have to come at the heat of the day. You don't know what it's like for for me to pass by these other women who just stare at me and gossip about me. So just give me this water. And then Jesus shifts the conversation and exposes her need for repentance. Mm -hmm. So he addresses her need for him her need for living water, and then he addresses her need for repentance. He says, go call your husband. She says, well, I have no husband. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You have five husbands, and the one that you're living with is not your husband. Imagine hearing that. You see, the woman was searching for something that was only found in Christ, and Christ knew that. Yes. Then she, she changes the subject real quick, and she says, okay, well, um, where do we go for worship? So as soon as Jesus addresses her sin, she <clears throat> asks a theological question. Well, where do we go to worship? Do we go on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, or, or do we worship where you Jews say we ought to worship in Jerusalem? And then Jesus begins to tell her an hour is coming when both of these mountains will be irrelevant for worship, that the hour is at hand when I will do away with all temple worship, all the the mountains, the locations, the candles, sacrifices, priests, but true worship will be by spirit and in truth, according to God's word. And at this point, you would think that the conversation is over because Because she says something that totally dismisses everything that Jesus has said up to this point. Okay, well, honestly, if you haven't heard that the Messiah is going to come, and when he comes, he's going to talk to us about worship. He'll teach us about worship. And the living water, I'm sure he'll give that to us. And and the gift of God. So, So whatever you have to say now, it's irrelevant. And I think really she was just trying to get away at this point. I don't think really she was anticipating the Messiah. I think she was just saying, saying it just to, to move on. So she dismisses everything Christ is saying. Sort of like if we were talking to someone, and at the end they say, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> don't you hate that? Or you're like, okay, okay, well, let me... And then they just go somewhere else. And then we ended with that monumental statement by Jesus. As I said, she might have been leaving the well. And in verse 26, he tells her, I who speak to you am he. Remember, there's no he in the original language. So this is an I am statement. And isn't it interesting how Jesus didn't tell her, woman, I am the Messiah, right? Or he said, woman, I'm the one that is going to come and tell you all things. But he took it a step further. He said, woman, I'm God, and it is God who stands in front of you. And yes, I am the one who was promised long ago. So that's where we left off. And I pray that that you were encouraged by that as much as I was encouraged in telling you that story. But so far in this story, we have seen our connection between ourselves and our." unregenerate, unsaved life, and this woman, haven't we? This woman is just like us. She was blind to the spiritual things that God was or Christ was saying. She was unwilling to address her sin, and she was committed to religion and tradition. Mm -hmm. But after verse 26, after Christ reveals to her I am the Messiah. I am God. Something changes inside of her. You see, this was more shocking to her than him saying, go get your husband. This had a little sting to it. This packed a little punch. And she began to see everything in a different light. Her once stony heart began to get softened and softened and softened. The conversation is now over between Christ and this woman. But he still has one more appointment that he needs to check off. You see, the woman wasn't the only person Jesus came for. So for one last time, let's go back to Samaria. And if you have a Bible, please stand. Reading from verses 27 all the way to verse 22. The word of the Lord says, Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out to the town. They went out of the town and were coming toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who has sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say that there are four months. Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower may rejoice together. The sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that i ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you give your people eyes to see and ears to hear the wonderful truth as we conclude this powerful meeting between Jesus and this woman. Lord, may I decrease and may you increase, Father. Holy Spirit, keep me from error. And please be with me. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, verse 27. Just then... The disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the disciples come back from getting this food, right? They come back from the town and they see something that shocks them. They see Jesus talking to a woman. Now, this is very important that the disciples saw Jesus talking to this woman because Christ is giving an example of what he wants them to do. See, if they were to come a little later, they want to solve it. If, we're, if they were to come a little earlier, they might have interrupted the conversation by saying, hey, Jesus, hey, uh, you know you're not supposed to talk to this girl, right? And the very thing that they wanted to say, they didn't say. They probably said to themselves, um, does he not know that that this is a Samaritan? Does he not know that That this is a woman? Does he not know that he's a rabbi? He's a teacher and his reputation is on the line? But they didn't ask that. They just marveled at, at what was going on. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, verse 29, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now, now this is amazing. And what jumps out from what I see is the woman left her water jar, right? She left her water pot. Now, some people have speculated, well, she might have left her water pot or her water jar because she knew that Jesus was thirsty, So she left it there so Christ can get a drink. So she was being very generous. She just left it there and and let him get his water and, and, and do what he has to do. Some have said, well, she was so eager to tell the town about this man that she just left it there because this water pot, they would carry it over their shoulder. It was very heavy. So she probably left it there and went back to the town so she can get there more quickly, right? That's another option. But I think this water jar represents something far more deeper. You see, this water jar represented her life up to this point. This water jar represented the five failed marriages, her adulterous life. This water jar represented her sin and the heavy load that it bore on her every single day. Every day, the hottest time of the day, she would have to carry this jar over her shoulder back and forth, back and forth. Maybe thinking of a day when she wouldn't have to live in shame and guilt and and be portrayed as an outcast. And this is our story, isn't it? This is likewise with us. We carried our water jars. We carry the heavy load of sin every day, back and forth, back and forth, going back to that well. Getting that dirty water. And the deeper we got into our sin, the heavier our water jar began yes. to bear on us. Yes. The shame and the guilt kept mounting and mounting and building and building. Oh, yeah. And we thought, man, are we ever going to get freed from this? Mm-hmm. Just like her. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were living in guilt. We were living in shame. But until that, that one day when Christ revealed himself to us. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that day? Mm-hmm. Just like how Christ revealed himself to this woman. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when he revealed himself to you?
1: Yes.
0: And the joy that, that came into your life. Mm-hmm. That one day when God, when he softened your heart. When he changed the disposition of your wretched, dirty heart, that was in complete hatred toward him. When he changed your will that was enslaved to your sinful nature and you couldn't do anything else but sin. That one day when he said, I am who I am and there was no other God but me. That one day when he brought you down on your knees and you drunk with your heart the fountain of living water. Do you remember that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: That's an amazing truth that, that we must not lose. And just like this woman, we must be joyful in telling other people about what has happened in our lives. That, do- that dirty old water jug. That she used to carry every single day. She left it at the well. And just like you, I say, if you are still carrying that baggage, if you are still carrying that sin, leave it at the well. Amen. She probably went back and that man she was living with was saying, oh, where's my water? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's
0: right. I left it at the well. Oh. Well, how, how am I going to? Shower for the day. Who's going to bathe me?
1: Yes.
0: I left it at the well. Yes. Who is going to, to quench my thirst? Yes. I found someone that's far more greater than Jacob's well. Oh, hallelujah. Psalms 107. For, the, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Do mm. you remember that day when he filled your soul? And like, one of my favorite songs says, "Do you remember that happy day when Christ washed your sins away yes. and you wanted to tell everyone about it?
1: Yes.
0: Let us not lose that.
1: Yes.
0: Let us not lose that truth. She came to get water from Jacob's well and she left with water from the everlasting well, Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. This is amazing. And she wants to tell everyone about it. Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. She used to have to sneak away to get her water. Remember? She went at the hottest time of the day so people wouldn't have to look at her. So people wouldn't have to stare at her. So people wouldn't have to gossip about her. So people wouldn't have to say, there's that dirty woman. She went at the hottest time of the day so she can be alone, where sh- her, her shame and her sin wouldn't have to be exposed. But now she says, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. She's exposing herself now. Yes. The very thing she was trying to hide from everyone else, she's now revealing to the whole town. Yes. He told me everything. Yes. He told me everything about my past failures and my past relationships yes. and my sin. He yes. exposed it all. Yes. The very thing she wanted to hide. Yes. She's now screaming and running from, the to- running from the top of the hill, I imagine, screaming at the top of her lungs. Yes. This man told me everything.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. 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 She finally met a man who wasn't out to get something from her.
1: Oh.
0: She finally met a man who wasn't in it for his own satisfaction. She finally met a man who will never leave her, who will never forsake her. Amen, amen. She ran back to the town. And like I said, the same eagerness that this woman had to share her joy with the town, the new joy that she has found in Christ. Let us have that same eagerness yes. to go back to our town, to go back to our families, to go back yes. to our friends and tell them about Christ. We tell them that we got a new car. We tell them that we got a promotion. We tell them that our student is student of the month. But why don't you tell them something that's not subjective. Why don't you tell them something that's founded and grounded in truth. That Christ came to save sinners. And I was the worst of them all. Verse 30. 30. They went out of the town and were coming toward him. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Now, the disciples are probably thinking, "Okay, we were gone for a little while. He's got to be hungry. He's, he, his belly must be grumbling, right? So Jesus responds with, I have food that you don't know about. So imagine being in the disciples' shoes at that point. You have food that we don't know about? And they're probably looking around like, okay, who, who brought Jesus the sandwich? <laughs> who, who brought Jesus food? Did the woman bring him something? Does he have secret food somewhere stored? Where did he get this food from? We've seen this before though, right? We've seen this same scenario where Jesus is on a totally another level than everyone else. John two nineteen, Jesus said, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews said to him, It has taken forty years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in thirty days? In three days? Wow. The Jews didn't understand. John three three, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus didn't understand. John 4.10, Jesus said to the woman of the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Mm -hmm. And here in our text, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples said, who brought him something to eat? Four cases of Jesus shifting the conversation from earthly temporal needs that we are so attached to, to what really matters, which is spiritual. And they do not understand. They do not get it. Jesus is saying, my greatest desire, more than even food, more than even my own needs, is to do the will of God. God. And we see this throughout the life of Christ. We saw it here. And we saw this climax as Christ was in Gethsemane and, and sweating drops of blood, pleading with God. God, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But, but nevertheless, your will be done, not my will.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Jesus is saying to them, my food is to do the will Who sent me and to accomplish his work. Verse 34. What is the will of God that Jesus is speaking of? We find our answer in John 6, 34 through 44. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. Amen. Number one, Christ came to do the will of God to reveal himself as the Son of Man, to reveal himself as the Messiah, the one who was promised in Genesis 3.15, to reveal God's glory Christ came on a rescue mission. He came on the behalf of his people to live the life that we failed to live. Do you understand that? To obey the law perfectly in which we failed to do. Do you understand that? Amen. Amen. He would be beaten. He would be mocked. He would be spit on on the behalf of his people. Do you understand that? And on that cross, he would stand as a substitute for all the people who God had given to the Son as love gifts before the foundation of the world. And on that cross, he would absorb the wrath of God, in which a return would satisfy and appease God, so we could be reconciled back to God. And he rose again for our justification.
1: That's
0: right. Amen. Amen. Christ came to save. This was Christ's mission. This was, his, this was God's will for him. Where Adam failed and where Israel failed, Christ succeeded and he did it perfectly. Yes. Yes. Jesus, he is also teaching us the lesson mm-hmm. that God's will must have the preeminence in our lives. Yes. If God's will was at the forefront of Christ's lives, then God's will should be at the forefront of our lives, Right? John Calvin said, thus he shows by this example, by his example, that the kingdom of God ought to be preferred to all other comforts of the body. God allows us to eat, to drink, provided that we are not withdrawn from what is of highest importance. So we must we must have our lives. Totally consumed by the will of God. We live in a day and age when we are surrounded by so many distractions and we are caught up in so many things, aren't we? Yes. And I tell you, if you haven't heard, don't waste your life. Don't let family be your main priority. Don't let money, don't let your job, don't let the praise of men, your friends, your car, what you wear, what you eat, be your main priority. It must be God. And nothing else. It must, be God. it must be to do the will of God. And I know these are harsh words. Because you want to live a comfortable Christian life. But I have news for you. Christianity is meant to be radical. And not comfortable.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: God did not save you. To make your life better. <laughs> do you understand that? He didn't save you. For you. To be just. A regular going church, attending maybe church hopper, go to some Bible studies every once in a while, some prayer meetings. I'll go when they go pass out food, but I'm not going to say nothing. He didn't save you for that. And dare I say it, if God isn't of most importance in your life, then you haven't even scratched the surface of what it is. To live. That's right. That's right. It was said of the great evangelist George Whitfield that men merely existed, yes. but Whitfield lived. What did he do? He crossed the Atlantic 13 times proclaiming and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we must do, right? You want God to have every chamber in your body, to have every ounce. To have every fiber. And nothing matters. Not my will. Not what I want, but Christ, what you want. I, I give myself to you, everything that I am. And yes, you will lose everything, but you will gain so much more. You want to know what living is? You want to know what it is to, to live this Christian life? Step outside of your house and step inside the world and proclaim the gospel. Amen. This is the will he has for your life. Yes. Go tell these people. Go tell them the good news. And yes, the gospel is is scandalous, but also the gospel is good news. Amen. This is how we must live. Yes. We don't need theologians. We don't need people who will just study the Bible and sit in their ivory tower and write commentaries and, and write books. We need people who will take that information and go out and tell somebody in front of their face. God doesn't need any more of those. God needs soldiers. Go out. We, we say all the time we want to do God's will. We want to do what's, what's best, what he wants For my life. But. We would rather go to a baseball game. And when and that be our Christian fellowship. than go on mission. And just tell somebody, anybody, whoever's listening, just let somebody bring up the name of God, the name of Jesus. And I'm on it. I know these are hard words because many of us don't want to hear it. But you have to be confronted with this. If you were going to look at this mirror and address your sin, you must address how your Christian life is. You must evaluate what you are doing wrong. Verse 35, do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For he for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. Mm-hmm. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labor and you have not entered into their labor. Mm-hmm. Jesus here uses the fact that they are surrounded by crops and growing. And the crops are growing in the field and, and they are awaiting to be harvested as a lesson to teach and reach the lost. Mm-hmm. It's at this moment When the Samaritans, if I can paint the picture again, that the disciples are here and and Christ is here and they just see a sea of people coming toward him. And it, it was said that the clothing that they would wear, they were dressed in all white. So he tells them, look, lift up your eyes. Do you not see the people? Do you not see how thirsty they are? He's given them a lesson on how to view the lost. Don't just look at these people as racially half breeds, as unclean Samaritans. Yeah. But these are people who are thirsty and who are in need of water. Amen. These Amen. are sinners who are in need of a Savior. Amen. You see, Christ, the Christ, that view of the Samaritans coming was a beautiful gift of God's grace and of God's mercy. He didn't see them as the enemy. He saw them as future children, future worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he saw. Amen. 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 These Samaritans wanted to know all about this man. So they came with their hearts ready to receive. Can this be the one? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And just as the disciples told, or Christ told the disciples, lift up your eyes, I tell you the same. Lift up your eyes. Do you see... The world for what it is that 's a complete rebellion against God. do you see the lost as dying sinners who are going to hell and I see it all the time how people are so saddened that that other people have passed away, but what shouldn 't sad you is is the remorse of their family or the loss of a son or daughter? but what should sad you is is this could possibly be a sinner who died in his sin That's right. and someone didn't give him the gospel, give her the gospel. Right. This should ignite you That's to right. go out and tell somebody. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yes, we mourn over the loss, but we mourn if they do not know Christ. Yes.
1: Yes.
0: If they were thirsty and we had water yes. and we didn't give it to them,
1: That's right.
0: Amen. that is why we must mourn. Yes. Yes. Why would you keep that from people? You know where living water is at. That's right. mm-hmm. Why would you hold that truth behind you? That's right. we, have the, we have the gospel, That's and right. we keep it in our back pockets. That's right. That's right. The gospel is powerful. Amen. The gospel changes lives. That's right. The That's gospel right. makes dead man rise. That's right. That's right. And you want to keep it in your back pocket. Paul says in Romans ten fourteen, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard and how will they hear without someone preaching? Right. Guys, we're not gonna have the luxury of Samaritans and sinners coming to us like the disciples did. Yeah. We have to go to them.
1: That's right. Amen. That's
0: right. Lift up your eyes.
1: Yes.
0: This world is dying in their That's sin. Right. I am no better better than you. Like how R.C. Sproul says, I'm just a beggar
1: Mm.
0: telling other beggars where food is at. Point them to the way. This is the will of God. Mm. Not for you to just sit in this seat and absorb this information and do nothing with it. Write it on your notepad. Study it. But no, distribute it. Knowledge is meant to be shared. Yes, That's
1: good. I like
0: that. God did not save you for you just to sit on the sidelines. But he saved you for you to get in the game. Remember playing sports? You hated being on the bench. So when we come to Christianity, we love being on the bench. Get in the game. Get in the game. Mm-hmm. Forget what people will think about you. Forget what people might say about you. Forget the, the past sins that was in your life. Oh, they might bring up when I used to do this or do this. Man, forget all that. Yeah. You're a new creation in Christ. Yes. 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 People need to know. People desperately need to know that there is a God and right now they're in big trouble. Not because you are in sin, because you are, and not because you will be judged, which you will, but you're in big trouble because God is good. Have you ever thought about that? Telling a sinner you're in big trouble because God's good. Why is he good? Because he sent someone to die for sinners like you. Amen. The ransom, the debt was paid off in completeness yes. and 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 right now you are standing <coughs> underneath the wrath and judgment of God because He is good. Amen. Amen. He sent His Son and He died for people. Just like you, evangelism is not just, I go give the gospel and I fall back. Evangelism is not just, well, I'm going to go present the gospel, and yes, it is the power unto salvation, and then I'm going to let go and let God. That's not evangelism. That's not how the gospel should be presented. The gospel is about life and death. The gospel is about heaven or hell. The gospel is about eternal life. We don't give the good news in a nonchalant way. That, hey, you're a sinner. We beg them. We urge them. We plead to them. Repent of your sins. Because you are dying. And you need a savior. Don't be too proud to beg. We must tell them. And like George Woodfield said, if you will not weep, if you will not weep over your own soul, then I will weep for you. When's the last time you weeped over someone's own soul? Was the last time you read the news and you saw someone that passed away and you weeped over? Them possibly dying in their sin. We must have a heart for sinners, not a heart for evangelism. We must have a heart for people. And not a heart just to go out and do our Christian duty. Oh, he wants me to do this, so I'm going to do this. He commanded it, so I'm going to do it. God doesn't want that. I know very often we feel a lack of motivation to share the gospel. We feel afraid. We, we feel the failures that might come, the rejection. And you might say, well, I don't know enough, or, or I'm not a good enough talker, or I might freeze up. I've been there. And those are good questions to ask but, and to be concerned with. But let me give you some encouragement. You're not the only one who asked that question before. You're not the only one who's been in that dilemma where you want to go, but, but you're scared to. That's right. Because you're scared of messing up. Right. A man named Moses asked the same questions. He had the same concerns. He said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth, and I will teach you what to speak. I'm testimony to that. There's been so many times when, when I've been in a situation when I was thinking in the back of my head, Lord, how am I going to get out of this one? And I just start saying things. I, I get, my memory starts to come back to me. Family, the tone of your voice does not matter. The way you pronounce words does not matter. But what matters is the truth that is revealed in scriptures and the sincerity that comes from your heart. That's what matters. You don't need to know everything. Which is a good thing but there's one thing you need to know is that Christ came and He died and He lived. One tip I've learned is not to rely on my own good speech, but to stand firmly on the Word of God. It is the Word of God, I tell you the truth right now, even as I'm speaking. This this is the Word of God that makes me feel 10 feet tall. This is the Word of God That makes my, my midget self feel like a giant. Yes. And, he, and God has the ability to, to turn and make shy, average men roar like lions. Yes. This is what God can do, yes. just like this woman.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: And ultimately, we must understand that we can't save people. Right. Yes, we can plead, yes, we can beg. But God must reach the place where we can't go, and that's the heart. In verse 36, Jesus says, Already the one one who reaps is receiving the wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Verse 37, For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Jesus is saying, Look at these Samaritans. Look at all the ones coming. You were about to reap the harvest that was sent before you, that was done before you. And you might ask, well, well, who sowed to these Samaritans? Who prepared the way? Well, for one, Jesus Christ. We could have said John the Baptist. We know later in his ministry he went north, so he could have prepared the way, but there's another one. The woman. The woman went back. The woman in her Sinful, rebellious used to be state she went back yeah. and she said man there's somebody and you yes. gotta meet him yes. this might be the one yes.
1: Yes.
0: and I think she knew that it was the one <clears throat> she went out and she told them one <laughs> sows another reaps mm. Don't ever think that your evangelism, don't ever think that you going out and proclaiming the good news is in vain. You might say, man, I've been rejected so many times. I've, I've gone out and I've been cussed at and I've had just the worst experience. But guys, it's not in vain. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Romans 10:15, as it is written, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. <laughs> Psalms 126, 6, he who gives out weeping, Bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing Mm. his shears with him. Mm. It's never in vain. And whether you are the one sowing or whether you are the one reaping, God will get glory out of it. Because it doesn't matter what you do. God is the one who will bring the increase. God is the one who will make things grow. Verse 38, Jesus tells his disciples, I sent you to reap. That for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. These are hard words by Jesus because he's telling them, guys, you're about to reap something that you had no a part of. And look what happens next. As we come to the conclusion of the story, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Verse 40. So the Samaritans came to him. They asked him to stay with him, and he stayed with them two days. And John MacArthur said he gave them two days of seminary. <laughs> Verse 41. And and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we have heard. We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. We read in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not not perish but have everlasting life. And we see a beautiful example of John 3.16 in John chapter 4. Do you see the connection? That the Messiah wasn't only for the Jews, Mm. but it was for the most unlikeliest of candidates. The Samaritans. Mm,
1: that's so
0: good. In closing, we don't ever hear whatever happened to this woman. There's not a, a good ending like there is with Nicodemus. I imagine that she went back and she told her man, I'm done with you. <laughs> and she followed Christ for the rest of her days. Yes. And what happened in the beginning She carried it along her life. And that was her testimony. That the Savior has come for sinners like me. Her story is our story. It's a story of sin and rebellion that led to redemption and salvation. And what was once the woman's sin and was once her shame... Is now a part of her testimony. How amazing is it that God would use human creatures in order to be the vessels of the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel? For the woman, it was supposed to be a regular day of just getting water from Jacob's well. For Christ, it was a rescue mission that he had to accomplish. It started off with a conversation. And it ended in a revival. (laughs) Christ didn't come for this woman only. He came for the whole town. We will now leave Samaria. And the next time we meet, we will come to a town called Galilee. Where there's a nobleman's son who's in desperate need of a miracle. Mm. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our time in worship as we have heard the word go forth And now, how should we live? We should go like this woman did in spite of our sinful background and tell people the good news of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for this time together. And I pray that it was an encouragement and it also convicted your people as we desperately need to to reach the lost because they are in desperate need of water. In Christ's name I pray, amen.